down into what each line meant to me. Um, now, so I'm gonna I'm gonna sing this through, and we're gonna sing it. If you know it, sing with me. If you don't, try and just follow along, and then I want to break it down, and then we're gonna then we're gonna sing it again, and then we'll have opening prayer. Create in me a clean heart, O God. Let me be like you in all my ways. Give me your strength. Teach me your song. Shelter me in the shadow of your wing. For we are your righteousness. If we die to ourselves and live through your death, we shall be born and to be blessed in your love. So create to me, Jadon, I hope I'm not taking up too much of your time, but we can stay. Not my time. <laughs> create in me a clean heart, O oh God. To me, we can't create a clean heart by ourselves. Amen. A clean heart to me would mean a heart without anger without Amen. malice, without envy. We can't do it. Amen. Let me be like you in all my ways. We can't. But we pray that we can. Give me your strength. Only his strength will get us through this life happily, joyfully, doing his work through our lives and through our work. Teach me your song. That, that took me a while to kind of figure that out. But I think the scriptures are his song. Amen. The Jews learned the scriptures by singing and the easiest way to memorize something is with a song. And teach me a song. Shelter me in the shadow of your wing. You remember when Jesus said, Oh Jerusalem, oh Jerusalem, how I wanted to gather you like a hen gathers her chicks and protects them under her wing? Amen. For we are your righteousness. Amen. Well, I'm not righteous, and none of us are righteous except through him. And so if you said to the world that I'm righteous in the sight of God, they would say, oh, come on. Especially if someone that knew me years ago. But in 2 Corinthians 5.21, it says, He made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf that we might become the righteousness of God. Amen. And how do we do that? If we die to ourselves. When do we die to ourselves? In baptism. And live through your death. It's only through the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ that we are raised to newness of life. <clears throat> We shall be born, born again to be blessed in your love. 
time sitting in that blind. It was good. I didn't see any deer, but it was good for me. So let's sing it again. Thinking about that. The meaning of this song. Created me a clean heart, O God. Let me be like you in all my ways. Give me your strength. Teach me your song. Shelter me in the shadow of your wings. For we are your righteousness. If we die to ourselves and live through your death, we shall be born again to be blessed in your love. Amen. very good was trying to do something I want you to look here at this I'm pointing up here to where we don't have the songs written there I'm going to remember that I'm going to remember that. When does God get you? He paid the price. Paid the price for you to belong to him. I'm going to quit thinking about writing on the board, so I'll quit being upset I didn't bring my marker. I want you to come over to Romans chapter 1. I didn't realize uh, it was time for me to get up and preach. You know why? Because I was worshiping. I was worshiping. So many things racing through my mind. And the fact of the matter is, in Jeff's expounding of that song, all I'm doing now is reiterating some things. But I want to talk to us tonight about the call. Over in Romans chapter 1, one of the words in my translation, uh, some of y'all's translations, uh, down here in verse 5, mine says, Through him and for his namesake we receive grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles, to the obedience that comes from faith. God's call, uh, he's a doulos, a slave, Paul, a, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. 
No, God called him out of his arrogance, out of his pride, out of his religious superiority, out of his overwhelming knowledge, and he called him. He called him to himself in his son. Why on earth are we preaching all this to the church? Because God calls people out of darkness and, and he appointed Paul, an apostle to the Gentiles for the specific purpose, especially for the purpose of calling the Gentiles out of their darkness and into light. Can come over here with me to Acts. Uh, Acts 26. We'll start in verse 15. And then I ask, this is Paul talking. The Lord said to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? This is back up in verse 14. It's hard for you to kick against the goads. And then I asked, who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. The Lord replied, now get up and stand on your feet. I have appeared to you to appoint you as a servant a special servant, an eyewitness apostle servant, as a servant and as a witness of what you have seen of me. He has seen the resurrected Jesus. The truth about the identity of Jesus has been revealed to Paul. No, there's no doubt about it. The one they call Jesus that he, he knows they crucified and the disciples have just hid the body. No, they didn't hide the body. God raised him from the dead, the immortality. The identity of Jesus is in itself the gospel. The call of the gospel is for us to believe the fact of Jesus' deity. It's not just something we, oh, I know he's the son of God. No, he's the son of God. That means his death on the cross did exactly what God said it did. It means if he is the son of God, it means he had the authority to sacrifice himself. He had the authority to present the blood of his own sacrifice at the throne room of heaven. And he has the authority to present that blood there now on our behalf. The blood of Jesus is not idle. It is administered by the person of Jesus. It was sacrificed by the person of Jesus. Now that's over my head, but that's exactly what the book says. He is both the officiating priest, the officiating high priest, and he is the Lamb of God. No, he's both of those at one time. And when I prove through, through the historical record, when the identity of Jesus is proven, when it is established, when it is confirmed, then you know that God's act on the cross did exactly what he claimed it to be. I get inside, Jack. Here's what he said. He said, I've appeared to point you of what you've seen of me and, and what I will show you. I will rescue you from your own people. That's the Jews that he would die for if it'd help them. 
and from the Gentiles. I'm sending you to them, that is the Gentiles, to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light, from the power of Satan to God. This is what we're doing, brothers and sisters. I'm not the Apostle Paul. I've got everything he said or did that I need to have right here written down. And when we're sharing that with people, this is what we're doing. We're offering people who live and abide in a state of hopelessness hope. When, when people are, are living and guiding and guided through life by their own lust and their own pleasures and their own desires and their own knowledge and their own, and their own exercise of the morality and the sense of morality that God has put within them, when they're leaning on themselves and trusting in themselves, darkness is having its day. And the gospel is a call to come out of that and come into the light, the glorious light that reveals to us fairly clearly who Jesus is. And everything else we do is an unpacking, is a stripping away, is, is an uncovering of all those facts right there. God's not trying to take away our hope telling us that in our knowledge, what you get through nature and creation, through our sense of morality, where the three fingers are pointing back at you, I'm making little references to what we studied this morning because we're still in the book of Romans. And I've been studying it for 30 years and it just dawned on me, dawned on me this morning as I'm just skimming through all this stuff I've had these words memorized for 20 years, word for word. Memorized them while I was making retread rubber. Just saying them over and over and over and over. We received grace and apostleship to call people from among all the Gentiles to the obedience of faith. The obedience, the gospel is a call for people in darkness to come into the light. The gospel is a call for them to come to the obedience of faith. Faith that Jesus is exactly who he has been declared to be in these scriptures, in this text. I know this is the word of God. It also, it also, on a very practical apologetic level, is, is recorded history. The people who wrote these words down on pages, on vellum, on papyrus that they record, this put them at great, this cost them something. They're not getting published. They wrote this down to their own detriment. And people kept it to their own detriment. And people followed it because it's true. And the reason we have it is because it's true. And it is powerful. I'm not ashamed of the gospel because it's powerful to call Gentiles from Satan to God, from darkness to light. And then he says this interesting, and I just noticed this this morning. And you also, verse 6, are among those who were called to belong to Christ Jesus. He wrote this to the church. 
The gospel is a call to the church. It's a gospel to the church in Rome. You also, I want to have a harvest among you just as I've had among the other Gentiles. It is not thought, these are not pagans on the street. This is the body of Christ. This is people who have been united with him in his death, his burial, and his resurrection. They've been baptized into his death. They've died in the water with him. They've been resurrected through the power of God to walk in newness of life. These are Christians, brothers and sisters. And the gospel call is not through yet. Am I supposed to do? Be baptized and everything? The gospel is more than a call to be baptized. When you reduce it to that, you miss the point. I understand it is too a call to be united with Jesus and his death is burial and his resurrection. But we've, we've, we've put that in the can and set it on the shelf and we don't even understand it. This is to be devoured. This is to be consumed. This is to be digested. This is to be considered. This is to be contemplated. This is to be meditated upon. This is, this is to be considered. And you also, not did I just get this apostleship to call people from paganism to Jesus. He did. Acts 26 confirmed that. You also were among those who were called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. What's the gospel calling us to right now? Tonight. What is the gospel calling us to? To a life that belongs to Jesus. To a life that is holy to God. Holy unto Jehovah, Zechariah 14 said. When that day comes, when the day that we rejoice in the Lord, the Lord has created this day. When that day and age comes, when that message comes, he said even, even the bells on the horses will be inscribed, holy unto Jehovah. It belongs to God. He said the pots and the pans and the homes will belong to Jehovah. These are everyday articles. You don't look at a pot and a pan and a dust, a dust pan and a broom and go, ooh, that belongs in the temple. He said, I'm talking about the stuff in their homes will belong to me because I will purchase it. I will purchase men, every tribe, every language, every nation. And he will too give us a song. And the Jews sang the song of Moses. I encourage you to go read that sometime. Wasn't that a doozy? And it's just not enough. Knowing heaven and in Jesus, we got a new song. It's of Moses and the Lamb. He is our righteousness. Is there righteousness? <clears throat> what we do when we come together is to be an outpouring of our hearts. And we almost squelch that. Sometimes we do squelch it. Let's get honest.
Y'all are old enough to know what that means. Kids think I got a rash or something. Sometimes we need to come, guys, and we need to sing one song. And we need to sing it till we mean it. And we need to talk about it. And we need to pour our hearts out to God. It's not about changing the carpet and starting early and starting late and and doing new songs and doing old songs. I'll tell you right now, there's some new songs we need to learn and do. That's one of them right there. I got book for every single word in that song. The gospel, the gospel calls us to understand That all that we have and all that we do never comes close. He told Israel, 8th century BC, he said, All your righteous acts are as filthy rags before me. I was going to talk tonight about also all that's introduction, really. What's God been doing? Throughout all of scripture. Was he just against the Philistines? He just hates the Philistines. What's the point of David killing Goliath? What was the point of Israel defeating their enemies in physical battle? What's the point of all that? When did God change from being so caught up, he was just obsessed with Palestinian land for millennia? Was he really? What has God's message forever been to his people? You need me. Yeah, why don't you just go to battle on your own, Israel, and see how that works? Why don't you go stand in your intellect and stand in your numbers and and stand in your strategy and get absolutely nothing done? When I get sick to death of it, I'll send a little shepherd boy to bring you some snack food, and he'll take a rock and a sling and go down the creek and come up out of there and slay your enemy before you. And you will know that the Lord is God. All this talk. And we have different terminology because, because it's not just a different covenant. Our covenant is the fulfillment of God, of everything God has ever made, ever said, and ever done. You don't survive, you don't live, you don't have life. God's purpose has never just been land and political power and all of that. God's purpose has always been salvation. He has always been the God of redemption. Before he ever said, light be, let alone told Noah to build an ark, Abel to offer sacrifice, or Enoch, before any of that happened, the cross of Jesus Christ, the Lamb of God, was an occurred was an occurred fact in his mind before he ever did any of that. 
our desperate, absolute need for righteousness. We're not a half a dozen farmers and a few families facing the world's greatest military might. We're not facing that. We're facing our own lust. We're facing wickedness. We're facing evil. Spiritual powers and realms of darkness above us. Our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world and the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Our greatest need, the thing that we, we need, that we have to have, is the thing we do not have on our own, and it is righteousness. And the call of God and the gospel is a call to get a hold of, to receive, to comprehend on any level we're willing to comprehend it. He explains it. When we get interested enough, we'll dig and scratch and claw and pull through it, and it will change our minds. Just as it took us from darkness to light, just as it took us from, from condemnation to salvation. Now, that either happened or it didn't. And you're wearing the same britches and the same shirt you were saved in. When you were lost, you had the same pair on as when you got saved. Now, that's a generalization, but you get what I'm saying? Nothing happened. Uh-uh, something did too happen. I went from me... When we die to ourselves. Best thing he ever did is get rid of us. When we ourselves was his enemy. And he called us out of that through the gospel. And he is calling us right now as his people. No, he is calling you and he is calling me. To belong to him in our minds, in our hearts, in our lives. He's calling us. He's calling us from random acts of kindness that any pagan could commit to a life of holiness. And he himself has become for us our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. It is because of him that we're in Christ Jesus our Lord who has become for us wisdom from God. Really? This is the wisdom from God. He is, that is, our righteousness, our holiness, and our redemption. Do we believe that? Do we believe that? I didn't say enough. Do we believe it? Do we believe we are his right? That's what he said. The only proof of it is that he said it. But there it is. Do we believe he has saved us from ourselves and from our sins? Do we believe that he has afforded us the very thing we always wanted that we cannot have on our own? He called us into it. And it, it, the same power that calls us into this initially, the gospel, is the same power that calls us into the transformation that is ours. And it just amazes me that it's the same process over and over and over and over and over. Jadon, stop listening to yourself. Stop looking to yourself. 
and start looking to me. Where, where's that song? Where'd this song go? Give me your strength. How many of us are asking God every day to make us stronger? Is he our strength? How much stronger can we be? What if we started asking him, Father, help me understand how strong you've made me. Help me understand your strength in my life. Strength to do what? Start a new business, make a next million, live to be 135. What strength to do what? Balance the U.S. economy. What what strength to do what? This message, this message that is a call, a call for us to continually abandon our weakness and, and be called and to be drawn to his strength. Wasn't that Peter's mistake? He was trusting in his strength. With Jesus standing there? I appreciate very much. I'm just asking you to imagine that this journey we're on through the book of Romans will be worth it. Because this is where it's calling us, brothers and sisters. There is a direct connection. I, I, I can't I can't put this in words. I don't think that I can absolutely stand behind, but you know what? I misspeak a lot, so I'll change them if I need to. There's a direct correlation in our prayer lives and in our worship. And the direct correlation is in reference to our confidence in our God to keep his promises. Hey, you can go to music school if you want to. You can go to scripture reading class if you want to. Or you can just give God credit for who he is and what he said and fall in love with him. And when we do that, no, he changes everything. He changes everything. We're not in here to perform. We're in here to pour our hearts out again to him. And we're not going to do it perfectly We're not always even going to do exactly what we intended to do, but God's still going to be God, and we can still trust him, and we can still depend on him, and the very simple fact that the gospel accomplishes, that it called us to, is God has met your greatest need right here at the cross. And the very least we could do is believe it, And the very least we could do is remind ourselves of it. 
I don't know how Lisa's surgery is going to go. I know what it's like to be in pain that you can't shake and get rid of, and it, it messes you up. Well, you don't even know how bad it's messed you up because it's been a long progression taking place. And I'm praying for God to deal with her surgery in some way that glorifies him. But I'm going to trust him no matter what. I'm just picking her because she knows I love her. He's already met our greatest need, my sister. He who did not spare his own son, but freely gave him up for us all, how will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? That's what he said. And that's what he does. And I'm asking him to glorify himself in our lives. And we're not facing nine foot 600-pound Philistines, we're facing something more powerful than that. Lust, sin, pride, wickedness, temptation. There's not a man that big. That's big. Unrighteousness. What chance did the enemies of God's people and God's purpose stand against God? It was a couple of times it was real close. No, it was not. And it is not. I'm just asking us to hold on to that. Hold on to God's call and realize the very same message that called us out of ourselves and into Jesus, that called us out of our sin and into his righteousness. It's the same message. What transforms us is continuing to grow and understand and value and appreciate the, that message. It changes us. It frees us. It's up to God what that amounts to. God bless us to hear it. Let's pray. Almighty God and Father in heaven, we thank you, Father, for the call of the gospel, and we're not ashamed of it. I pray, Father, for the gospel's call to our lives. I'm so thankful that it has called us out of darkness and into light, that it has called us out of sin and into your righteousness. It has called us out of ourselves and into your Son. And it continues to call to us, Father, to face the temptation to trust in ourselves and stuff we can count and see and buy and weigh and measure. And what we know to be true that cannot be measured and cannot be weighed and in every single aspect is eternal. Thank you, Father, for the message of your gospel. Thank you for your people here. Thank you for the opportunity to remember that together. And bless, Father, every day bless our consideration of what you have done for us in Jesus Christ. It's in his precious name we pray these things now. Amen. Lord God cannot love you more than he does to give his own son. Jesus Christ cannot be more powerful than he is. Destroying death and bringing life and immortality to light through the gospel. His invitation is for us to get a hold of that and stay a hold of it. And if we can help or encourage you or hug you or pray for you tonight, let us know now while we stand and while we sing.